Today's daf is daf Zayin. We're holding three lines down from the top of Zayin with Aleph. Amar of Avod. Person has to be careful not to uh, have uh, over, over, too much anger. Ema uh, Yaseir means a little bit of anger is, is is okay, but to have too much anger to run his household with too much anger, right? Is 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 uh, you person should be careful not to do that. Why? Because Shari Adam Godel Hitla Ema Yaseir was a base. there was a great person that did that that was uh, too overbearing and too too much anger within his household. Bechilu Davar Godel, and because of that, they fed him uh, some some great iser. We're going to see it's Abraham and Achai. Rashi brings down the story. It's Abraham and Achai that what happened was that uh, there was supposed to be some kind of meal or some kind of banquet and they uh, they ruined one of the portions of meat. And the servants got so nervous that they were, he was going to get upset and scream at them. They took a live animal, chopped off its limb and cooked it and fed it, which is Abraham and Achai, which all was really a product of them being fearful and not being able to go tell him that the food got ruined and the food got lost. So the one who said, the one who is this great person, was Rabchidah ben Gamliel. So the one who says, they actually fed him Isser, the Chorah, the Sagadaika, is that what you think? We know, the Gemara tells us, I believe it's in Chulin, that there was the donkey of Pinchas ben Yair that would not even consume Tevel that had... Uh, there was not tithe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't allow even the animals of Tzadikim to eat something that is prohibited. So then Tzadikim Atman look also okay. Now obviously that'd be great people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu won't allow them. People make mistakes we don't do Averis but Averis Tzadikim explains specifically those kind that, include, that in, involve the uh, eating of Dovar Asur that a, a great tzaddik, a Kodesh Baruch won't, won't allow that kind of takhola to happen to him. So how could it be? So Ella, you're right. Big shula achilo davar Means he caught it at the last moment. But the fact that they were willing to give it to him was a result of what? Amen. Of the Ema Yaseira that he had the Sech Beisai. Umay Niyo was this great sin. Abram and Achai. Believe the Marashoy explains. Why is it considered to be any worse than anything else? Because it also applies to, it's part of the Zion Mrs. Bnei Noah. It's a universal Dava Asr to eat. So that's what's considered to be Dava Gadu. Most Basvachalov, all those things only apply to Jews. This is something that applies universally. Alright. Shalach le Mar Utva, the Rabbi Lazar, uh, so Mar Utva sent to Rabbi Lazar. Ne Adam Ha'endim Alai, I said, I have a situation that there are these people that are uh, fighting with me. They're standing over me, literally lording over me. Ubiyadai Lamasram Lamalchus. Now I have an in. I have a way to report them to the authorities by reporting them to the authorities who get them off my back. Now we know there's a very severe issue in the Torah of being a moser, like ratting out somebody to the authorities. But on the other hand, to save me from the torment of these people, am I allowed to do this or not? We're going to see it was another Jew. So sirte the cost of law. So this is the way we get into it because we said that when you write a pasuk. Even in a letter, you should underscore, right, etch the lines in. See, so etch the lines, and he wrote, uh, and he, he's quoting a posseg. This is a posseg in Tehillim. A mighty, I said, Eshmara, the Drachai, Mechtab, Bilshoni. I will safeguard my ways from sinning with my tongue, 
and I will safeguard my mouth by making a muzzle the Oid Rosha Lenegdi, even though there is a wicked person who is opposite me. So this is a passage David Amelach was stating, and he's, he's inter- interpreting it, that even though you have with your mouth the capacity to fight back against this Rosha, but to do something with your mouth, like uh, reporting him to the authorities, we see from David Amelach, he safeguarded his mouth and he did not do it. Right. So Moses says like this, um, which the interpretation of the passage is even if there is a Russia David Amel is saying is opposing me I will safeguard my mouth with a muzzle he sent back to him he says but they are tormenting me they are torturing me terribly I don't know how much longer I can withstand the torment of these individuals. So Shalach lay, so he sent him another Pasuk. He sent him a Pasuk from Hosea. And uh, the Pasuk says in Hosea that um, that you shall uh, no, I'm sorry, it's also in Tehillim. You shall uh, the Shad is be quiet before Hashem and you shall put all your desires your uh, thoughts towards him. So that what is what? But how did he in- interpret it? Uh, I think Hashem. And when you're in silent before Hashem, and he will uh, cause them to fall before you with. Uh, 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 um, I'm sorry. The puzzle goes. Hashem is That you be silent for Hashem. And, uh, and, and he will, and, and, and he will, and, 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 uh, and, and have your, put your, put your, 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 your thoughts towards him. So the way he interpreted it is, this is the way Rashi explains it. Dom Lashem is that by the Dumdume Chama, when the sun is, is red, that's right before, uh, sunrise and right before sunset, go Daven, Daven before Hashem, and he will cause them to fall before you. Corpses, corpses. Means trust in Hashem, daven, and he will cause them to fall. But don't go report them to the authorities. So therefore, Hashkem uh, Vahir is the interpretation. And they go uh, come early to shul and 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 and. By is that daven? Well, that's about locus. That, that, that's that's about locus. I I believe uh, I believe that 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 uh, Taisus, Taisus brings down over here uh, is that uh, is the first shot Taisus brings down is davening, davening. The second the second person the second shot in Taisus is come early to learn and stay late to learn, right? But, but I think the the, the simple shot is. That come before Shkia and okay. before Nate and Davin, all right? And he'll cause them. So they will dissipate on their own. So as soon as this matter came out of the mouth of Rabbi Lazar, and Gniva, Gniva happened to be a Talmud Chacham, but he was the one that was tormenting. Uh, who was it? Rabbi Chanina. Who was the person? Who, Rabbi Chan, uh, Marukva. 
and 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 he was put into chains. That that he was put into chains, uh, taken away because of uh, based on the, the statement of I mean based on this concept that Rabbi was teaching Marukva. Shalvuleva Marukva. They uh, they sent the, to Marukva the following shayla. He said like this: Is that Zimra Minalan de Osir? That we know that uh, when the Sanhedrin ceased to exist right before the Churban Beis Amigdash, they made some takanas. One of takanas, which actually Shulchan Aruch brings down, exists still today. It's a big shayla how we don't keep this takan as much. Is that you're not allowed to listen to music. You're not allowed to play music, not a little insistent music. Now, it's mostly tied to festivities. When you eat and when you celebrate, you should not have. We spoke about that in Yerushalayim until today. The weddings, they don't play music in the weddings in Yerushalayim itself. That's why people go outside Yerushalayim to make weddings so you can have music. So, so you want to know what's the source for this? So, Sirte, because of Lahu, so he, he uh, underscored and he wrote the following uh, uh, the following pasuk Yisrael uh, that the Jews should not celebrate El Gil Ka'amim like the way that the uh, uh, the nations of the world celebrate. Uh, so 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 basically he was saying that 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 pasuk that's written that is a pasuk in uh, in Oshea, He's saying that we no longer should celebrate like the Goyim celebrate. He's referencing is that we shouldn't have music at our celebrations. Now it's a little bit not so clear that that's what it's referencing. So the Gemara wants to know why didn't he quote a pasuk that seems to be a little clearer? That they should not with song, they should not drink yayin their wine and Yemar Shekhar the Shaisa and the old wine, the aged wine, should taste bitter to those who drink it. Means that that's the idea of Zechalakhur, but we have to cut back on our celebration. But there the Pasik says clearly, Bashir Lo And when they celebrate and drink their wine, it should not be done Bashir. Now that seems to be a lot more explicit than the verse before. So why didn't we quote that pasuk, and that pasuk goes on about tied to the exile. So when it says like this, because if you only quoted that second pasuk, which is the the pasuk in Hesheya, that I would have said that refers to specifically with musical instruments. So maybe that's when it's worse. But about the puma, but celebrating with singing, maybe shari. That would be permissible. That the first passage says, don't celebrate like the nation celebrate. They celebrate with song, which means even with singing. So from there we learn that it's not just with instruments is this zera, this takana, but it's actually even with, with, with a cappella, correct. That's actually that Moshe, somebody brought down, is that are you allowed to have a cappella during the, uh, the, the, during the sphera? And Ramosha starts and he says, the real shayla is how can we have it any time during the year? The Torah the Gemara says you're not supposed to have it at all, not not, not just during. Uh, but anyway, but let's go on. The Gemara says, follow. Kamash Malan comes to teach you that both types of song and music is prohibited. Amale Rabuna Bar Nosen the Ravashi Siv. What is the interpretation of the following pasuk? Now, this is a pasuk in Sefer Yeshua that lists the uh, different cities of Yehuda. 
It lists the different cities of Yehuda. Now, I, I believe that, I think the Rosh says Pshat over here, is that it says that there were 28 cities. I don't know if I get the numbers correctly. It says there were 28 cities or 20, 25 cities, but you're counted, it comes out to be 31. So there's actually six cities that are mentioned extra, then, and therefore, Chazal Darshan, that those cities are there to teach me something else. And the question is, what is the additional drush that we're learning from these additional cities? So we're going to be doing... Why, why are there extra, how do you know there's extra cities? Because it says that at least in Yehuda there were X amount of cities. When you count them, when those down, there's six it's more than it says. Okay, okay. I think it's 25 and 31, whatever yeah, it is. Sorry. So now, so what, it says, what, what are the, 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 the three first three that we're going to be darshaning? So it says, the Kino, the Dimona, the Ada, uh, the Ada Do. So these are the three that are mentioned. So what, what is the, men, what is the teaching from these three cities? So Amalei, so he, first he answered and he says, He says, why are you asking me about these three? Aren't, isn't it just part of the list of the list of Eretz Yisrael? So Amalei, don't you think I know that instead of Yeshua is just listing the cities of Eretz Yisrael, but I know that El Rav Gavir Margiza Amar Bataima he said a drush in him. So the rush again explains why he was he picked on the, those cities picked a drush because he felt there were six that were extra. But he said a drush. What was his drush on the six cities? So he says like this: Kol Kina. Kina could mean a vengeance, an anger. Somebody has a reason to have retribution or vengeance. His friend has done something to get him angry. Vedomem, and yet, Dimona, it's the next city, and he keeps quiet. He bites his tongue. He holds back from his natural tendency. The next passage is, was, uh, what's the last one? Um, of the three mentioned, what was the last one? The one who rests eternally. The one that will take care of the judgment for you. So if somebody angers you and someone you feel you have a right to strike back, but you hold back and you keep quiet, Hashem takes that into account and what happens? He'll take care of business for you. It'll take care of for you. So I'm a lay. So uh, what? What? Um, uh, who are the two rabbis over here? Uh, Rav, Huna. So Rav Huna of said back to Rav Ashi. Well, if he explains those three, then how does he explain the other three? So then Ella Me'ato. What about Siklag? You have uh, this also in Sefer Yeshua in the same parsha. Siklag Umadmono Vansansino. Achinami here too. So how are you saying, saying that? He you know, explains those three that way. Then how does uh, Ravuna ask of Ashi? Because Ashi was the one who told him what, what, what was said. So how does he explain it back? Samalei. He says. Emma says. I don't know. I only know how he said the first three. But I'm sure that if he were here, he would be able to explain the last three as well. He would give the reason for it. He gave his own reasons. What did he say? He says, 
is a contraction of the word Sakas Legima. Sakas Legima means you have a, 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 an outcry. Legima is food. It means you have an outcry that he, he's doing something that's affecting your business. He's doing something that's taking away food from you. So if you have a taina against somebody that is a taina that he's taking away your food, he's affecting your business. The, the next one else, the and you hold back and you keep quiet. Shochen besneh, Sansano, Smosneh, the one who resides in the sneh, Krishborhu, the Shino, and appeared to Moshe was in the burning bush, that was the one that took them out and heard their cries. He says, the one that, that resides in the sneh, Osilodin, will do the judgment on your behalf. Okay. Snezik bush? Yes. Amale Reish Kalusa al Ravuno. Reish Kalusa asked Ravuna, he says that the custom in Kalilo that a groom no longer wears a crown. It used to be a custom that a groom used to make wear a gold, a silver crown. They don't wear two crowns anymore, the chosen. But we'll see about the kala soon. But that the groom doesn't wear the crown, minal londa usur. Where do we know that? What's the source that a groom does not wear? It's Amalim Adrabonan. He says there is no scriptural basis that I'm aware of. But it is a takanas chacham in Visnan. We learned at the end of Masechah Sota, the pulmos shel aspasyanus, by the siege of Yerushalayim, by the station, so then Godzwal Atoraz Chasanim ala irus. They prohibited the crowns weren't worn by the groom and on using tambourines in a simcha. Adachi, in the meantime, come Rav Huna Lachnuyen. So Rav Huna happened to be sitting there as well. Now, Rav Huna was the Rebbe of, uh, of Rav Chista. So Rav Huna and Rav Chista were both sitting there. So initially, the Rav Chista asked Rav Huna. Rav Huna said, I don't know a source for it. I don't know a posseh. We're going to see Rav Chista was a Talmud of Rav Huna. He didn't want to say in front of his Rebbe, because the question was to his Rebbe, he didn't want to jump in because he felt it's not Derek Eretz to answer with my Rebbe present if the question was posed to my Rebbe. Rav Huna was the Rebbe. So Rav Huna got up to go to the restroom. So come Rav Huna, he got up to go to the restroom. So Amalur Rav Chista, Rav Chista told Rav Chista, I have a posseh. Krogsiv. Pazik says like this, Karmar Hashem Elokim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so says Hashem, our God. What does he say? This is a posseh in Yechezkel. Haser HaMitznefes. Remove. The Mitznefes is a turban. The turban worn by the Kohen. Remove the Kohen Gadol's turban. Faharem ha'atara and lift off the crown. Zois v'loy zois this, but not this. Hashvela hegbo the lower has been raised. Faagavoa and what is raised, hishvil has been lowered. We'll see what the last part of the pasuk means right later. But right now we're only focusing on the beginning of the pasuk. So it says like this. He says that when the turban will be removed, so too will the crown be raised, taken off the head. What does that mean? What turban? What, the turban of the Kohen Godel, what does it have to do with the Torah with a crown? So Ella was teaching you is, when the turban is removed, is the Beis Amigdash will be destroyed, and the Kohen Godel will no longer be able to function, you're going to have to remove the crown from who? From the Chatanim. From the Chatanim are not going to be able to wear their crowns, and a zeichel lechurban, as that—that's the source in the pasuk for this concept. El alom alak, as long as the kohen gadol is wearing his turban, 
Each person is allowed to wear his private crown. He's talking, it's nefes. We rush. But once the turban has been removed from the person's Adam. so to each person no longer allowed to wear the crown at their weddings. Sarachi Asr Ravuna. In the interim, Ravuna returned. And he found that Rokhista and the Rashkalusa were in conversation. And he obviously picked up on that Rabchista had mentioned this as being the Posse. I mean, he, uh, uh, right, being the Posse. So Amalei, so he said, Ha'elokim midrabon. This is really by Hashem. It's like a lotion of Shvur. By Hashem, really, it's only midrabonun. There really is no actual edict from the Psukim saying that a Chosen cannot wear a crown. Right? And Raja says, so what's the Posse talking about? So he says, actually, the Posse was referencing that the last king, Tzitkiyahu, I believe it was, that the last king, that when the Kohen Gadol would cease to function, he would be taken out into exile. So it's actually referring to the crown, it's not referring to the crown of the Chassanim, but the crown is referring to the crown of the king. That's the connection over there. However, your name is Chista. Chista means a lotion of charming, endearing, in milech, and your words are charming. Your words are chasudim v'noyin v'rechas. Says Rashi. I don't think it's shining him. I think it's as a remez, meaning as a remez, like the way of like a asmachta to use it. But the the, the real shot in the pasuk is not. It's not a. It's not a uh, even a divrei neviim mandated uh, rule. It was just a rabbinical takana that was established by by, by the korban based on mikdash. Now, Ravina. He was weaving a crown for, making a crown for his daughter who was a Torah. Don't you agree with the concept we just learned earlier that when there is no more turban on the head of the Kengodol, so you have to remove the crown. Amalei. So he said, actually, that remez, you see the remez, you see how the takana was. The remez is talking about the Kohen Gadol who is male. So the turban is being compared to the crown of a male. This was only a takana against the Hassanin. But there was no takana precluding the uh, Kalas. Now we did learn actually in the end of Soto, which we more discusses, Soto brings it down over here, is that they did have a takana, but Taisa discusses where it was specific, it was the Irshal Yerushalay, and it wasn't a regular crown, it was a specific type of crown that even the Kalas stopped wearing. But a regular crown, Yael was not included. I think the Shulchan brings down that nowadays we don't do it not for the Chassanim, and not for the Kalas, which is a little difficult because there are been many weddings where they wear, wear a tiara. They put a tiara. There'll be a question or not whether this is in violation of this Shulchan What? The, uh, the Shabbat, you know, have all kinds of ornaments. Huh? Yeah, I don't know if that's called the crown or not, I don't know. So, which is the Gabri, which is male, but females, loy. Okay, what's the end of the Posset? It says, my, what it means, zais, this, but loy zais, not this. What is that end of the passage referring to? So, Doris Rabbi Avira, 
Zimun Amla Mishmeid Rav Ami, Zimun Amla Mishmeid Rav Asi. Shavavira taught that sometimes he taught in the name of Rav Ami, and sometimes he taught in the name of Rav Asi. Maybe you heard it from both of them. He says, B'Shash Amar HaKadosh Baruch Yisrael. When HaKadosh Baruch told the Jewish people, Hasar HaMitznefes, V'Harem HaTorah, that remove the turban and remove your crowns, Amram Malach HaSharis, the HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Malach HaSharis stood up, for the Jewish people. And they said, Rabbi Nashalaylam, Zayf Lahem Yisrael, this is what you're going to do to the Jewish people. Sheikh Divilapanach of Asinai, Nasa Venishma, right, very timely, that at Sinai, they said, we will do, and then we'll only understand and hear it. Because we accept it unequivocally, and we'll come to understand what it is that you're giving. And, and because of that, remember what happened when they said Nasa Venishma? That crowns were attached their, their malachim came and attached crowns to him. So they said, Nasa the Nishma, which was deserving of crowns. And you're doing this, you're taking away their crown. Amalahen, Lois Zeiss. So the Zeiss, the first Zeiss, Zeiss, Lois Zeiss. Zeiss was, this is what you're doing to them, was stated by the Malachi Ashores. The Lois Zeiss is what Hashem responded. No, he says, this is not what I should do. Meaning, it's rhetorical. No, this is not what I mean. Of course, this is what I should do. Why? So he's like, Yisrael, Sheshpilos HaGavoyah. They brought down that which is upon high. Means they lowered me. They made the Shechina low. They were mashpil the Shechina. They denigrated the Shechina. What did they do? In Vice Rishon, you know that Menashe brought an idol into the Kodesh Kadashim. So it means, I, they, you think they deserve their crowns? They brought me down and they elevated that which should be down, the Avodah by bringing idols into the, uh, the, 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 uh, into the into the Kaddish Kedoshim. Yeah, okay, but that's not what we're talking about over here. We're talking about the Ketarim of, of, of the Chatanim. The point is, they said Nazim Anishma. So the bottom line is, the bottom line is, they still said, still said Nazim Anishma. So therefore, they should say credit for that. So why is it like this? They meet at Selim Ba'echal and they brought down the Shechina and they elevated the shuffle, that which is lowly, by placing an idol in the hechel. So that means, that means they don't, they don't deserve to have their crowns. The crowns of, yeah, again, the crowns of the chassanic, not the crowns of Nasvanishma, that was removed already. Alright, let's go on. Torah Shabbatiro. Ravavira expounded Zimni and Amalim and Shmeid Ravami. Zimni and Amalim and Shmeid Ravasi. Sometimes they Ravami, sometimes Ravasi probably heard it from both of them. My Dersiv, what does it mean? Kamar Hashem, so says Hashem. Im Shleimim, we're going to see the way he explains it. Is Im Shleimim, I mean, if you have exactly the right amount of food to take care of yourself. V'chein Rabim, and even if you have, and for sure if you have, an abundance of resources to take care of yourself. V'chein Nigzar V'avar, it should be chopped off and it should pass. Now we'll see exactly what does this passage refer to, what does it mean? So let's see. Imro Adam If you see that you only have limited resources, you mamish only have enough, exactly enough to take care of yourself. Doesn't matter. Yasmin Tadaka, that should not stop you from giving charity. Right? You might not have to give Meister, the Shalom, you have to give a tenth of your but to give charity, everyone is Makhliyev to give charity, even if a person feels that he only has mamish enough for himself. And and for sure you have to give tzedakah if what? If you have a lot. My v'chein negozu for over. How do you explain the end of the pasuk? 
and it'll be sheared or chopped off and it'll pass. So Tanarin Rishmol, scary Gemara. Rishmol taught in a brisa. Kolat gozes menachosov. Anyone who shears off his assets, he cuts away his assets. For osem and tzedaka, and he uses them to give charity. Nitzal medina shogehena. For avar, he'll pass through without being uh, from 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 pass through the din of gehenna. We'll go through with un 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 uh, being protected with, uh, without without blemish. And what is an example to? Marshall is stay Rachelos. He had two ewes, E W E, female sheep. So are you oibres They're crossing water. Agaz gezuzah. One was sheared. Agaz ena gezuzah, and the other one was not sheared. So gezuzah, the one that's sheared, Avra passes unharmed through the water because it doesn't become saturated and the water doesn't pull it down. With Sha'ina Gazuza, the one that wasn't sheared, Lo Avra does not make it across safely. Right? Well, obviously, here's the point that's being made, that if a person doesn't saddle himself, doesn't bog himself down with the resources of this world, he will not be pulled down to the Dina of Gehenna. But if a person shears himself, if a shears himself and removes the excess resources, they'll pass through safely. But if he leaves them attached, they will be the source of him being pulled down. Okay? Let's keep going. This is, uh, I believe this is the end of the Pesach. And affliction, I will not afflict you more. Samar Zutra, Afilu Ani, the way to understand this blessing, get so much tzedakah, so you're, you, 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 even if you are, you're a poor person, Hamisparnas Minat tzedakah, that is being, uh, uh, supported by, from charity, okay? And, so he's, he's in affliction, he's in a state of affliction. Yazet tzedakah, if he gives, he should give tzedakah, and lo ancha'ayt, and he will no longer be afflicted, what does that mean? Tanner of Yosef, Shuv Ein Maran Lo Simone Anius. The signs of his poverty will no longer be exhibited. Means Hashem will give him enough resources that he does not need to feel impoverished. Will not be have to be supported by tzedakah anymore. Even a ani has to give tzedakah, and it'll help him climb out of his anius. Let's go right to circling back at a little respite of Agadita. Now we're going back to the Mishnah. He said in the Mishnah, Yehuda was giving us the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael. And I'm going to say it outside, we'll see in a second. He said that the northern boundary of Eretz Yisrael is Akko. And Akko is actually right outside that boundary. And Akko already is going to be considered outside that you need to say, if you're coming from north of that. That was the that was the, the point that was made. Now, the one is going to ask is that we have the following brisa, all right, that makes it clear. At least the simplest way to understand the brisa is that Akko actually wasn't on the northern border of Eretz Yisrael; it was actually on the eastern border of Eretz Yisrael. All right, and we're going to see how. Why do we? Why the brisa imply? That it's on the eastern border, alright? I, I don't know if you have the pictures over here or they, they help or not. Let me explain outside and we'll see if we need the pictures. But basically, this is the first understanding. It's gonna be two understandings here, but one in the, in the terms of the question, the understanding is going to be like this. What the one is going to say is that 
there are two cities. There's Akko and there is Kaziv. So it says that if you are walking from Akko to Kaziv, means you're walking north, right? To your left, which means to your west, will be Eretz Yisroel, and to your right will be Chutzla Eretz. What does that imply? That implies that Akko has to be on the eastern border. Because the only way to your left will still be Eretz Yisroel, and to your right will be Chutz Laaretz, is if Akko is on the eastern border. But if Akko is the furthest most on the northern border, then both to your east and your west will be Chutz Laaretz. Clear? In the east side, the east side is not straight. Yes, it means it has. Uh, why, why do you? Why, 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 what does that have to do with anything I said? It happens to be it's not straight, but that's not, that's not because of what I just said. It's right on the eastern border. So anything to, the, to your left, which is to the west, to the west of the eastern border, is Eretz Yisrael. Anything to your right, to, your, to the east of the eastern border, is going to be Chutzlaharetz. Alright? But it means that clearly Akko is not in the north. That's the worst problem. Let's sit inside. The name are you saying to Akko that Svona is the northernmost part of Eretz Yisrael, Kaima. That's where it's situated. But Ramina, I'm going to ask you a following contradiction from the following Brisa. So to Sefta. What does it say? Haya Mahalach Ma'akko Lekziv. Person is traveling, actually is going to be traveling north from Akko to Kziv. Miyamino to his right on where he's traveling. It's the right of Akko is, which is Lemizrach, which is to the east. Right, Lemizrach HaDerech. First of all, Tmeya. That land is Tameh, because we learned a number of times already that the land of Chutz is because they used to bury without, uh, anywhere, there's bodies all over the place. So therefore, it's got Tumas Amim. It's got the Tuma of Chutz Laaretz. And the laws of, the agricultural laws of Meiser, anything that grows there, or the laws of Shemitah, don't apply because it has a status of Chutz Laaretz land. And this is where it comes out that the eastern border is not, is jagged. Unless you know, because it's possible, because you are, the, the, since the border is jagged, and if you, even if you're walking to get from north, but it's possible that to your right, there's still part of Israel that, jut, that jutted out from the east. So unless you know, so if you don't, if they don't tell you that there's a part of Israel that jutted out, you assume it's Chutzlar. It's unless somebody tells you that part that jutted out is actually until somebody makes known to you that it is really part of Israel to your right as well because there's a piece that jutted out. And Mismolo to your left, which will be Lamaira, will be to your west. Right, everybody with me in the directions here. To your west, Tahora. So that whole area, that path, is going to be Tahor because it does not have the day of Tumasa Amin, because it's already considered part of Eretz Yisrael. Tahora Mishum Eretz Amin. It's Tahor from being Eretz Amin. And it's Chayevis Bemais Veshvius. Again, it could be that it's an enclave. Means you're walking along the eastern border, but sometimes it might be that it juts inwards. So to your left might actually be Eretz Amin, but unless you know for sure that's Eretz Amin, you have to assume that it is Eretz 
Yisrael. Achi Vadalov, she Petura. Right? Now, uh, Ad Heichan, where does this hold true? On this eastern side, that, you, that keep going up. Ad Kaziv, until the city of Kaziv. Right? Actually, this, this, this rule applies even further up to the city of Lavlevo. Anyway, not the, not, not the point with it, but the point is, from the way we just explained it, it seems to be pretty clear that Akko is on what border? On the eastern border. On the eastern border, and not like the Yehuda claims that it is the furthermost city on the northern border of Eretz Yisrael. Comes along Abaya. I'm going to explain it outside so we understand this clearly. I don't know if the uh, pictures help you or don't help you. But the Abaya, what I'm going to say is as follows. Is there was the mainland of Eretz Yisrael. The furthermost city on the mainland of Eretz Yisrael is Taka Akko. Is Akko. And then Rabbi Lezer, I mean Rabbi Yehuda was saying these are the parameters for Gittin. But if a get comes past this, you have to say, one and one them. He was talking about the mainland of Israel. Past Akko is considered Medina Sayyam, is considered Chutzla Aretz. However, there was a small strip of land that protruded out of Akko and was, and went all the way up to Kaziv. And that strip had a din of Eretz Yisrael as well. This, this, this little strip of land. Now, the road to walk from uh, Akko to Kaziv, that road was actually to the right. It started out to the right of the strip. So therefore, to the left of where you're walking is the strip, which means it's still part of Eretz Yisrael. To the right... He's no longer. But what we're explaining right now is that when the Brysa was talking about to the left, to the right, it wasn't referencing the mainland of Eretz Yisrael. It was referring to the path that runs parallel, or almost parallel, to the strip that protrudes from the northern part of Eretz Yisrael. When Rabbi Yehuda said that Akko is on the northern border, it was telling you it was the northernmost part of the mainland of Eretz Yisrael. So there's no contradiction between that Brisa and what Rabbi Yehuda says in the Mishnah. Clear? Alright, let's read it inside. So, um, let's find this. Uh, so I'm an Abaya. So Abaya wants to answer the question. Ritsua Nafka that there was a small strip that protruded out of the northern part of Eretz Yisrael, coming out from Akko, the Yaiv Tana Simona Hachi. Uh, I'm sorry, stop, not from the, stop, that's the, that's the Terence. Okay? Nafka. So therefore, and that's why the, that, that's how you explain it. He's actually referring to this, that, are you to the right or to the left of the strip? Meaning, if, uh, you know, actually the path. Are you to the right or the left of the path that runs parallel? Now again, because the strip is not a straight line, right? Or the path might not be a straight line. So we're worried about maybe sometimes the path would be to the left of the strip, sometimes be to the right of the strip. But normally you would assume it's on the right side of the strip. And that's how to read the Brysa. Clear? Now what the Gemara finds difficult is that 
I understand giving directions on the mainland of Eretz Yisrael, but giving these directions about a strip, and one of the things is a little strange, that you're going to go out and give landmarks how to de- define the strip. One says, they want to, does a ton of God of his way and do that. So one says, uh, that, that's Moore's question right now. Does a Tana give signs in such a manner where all you're really giving the signs, not to the mainland, but your signs are undisguised, discussing, are you, uh, are you on the strip or not on the strip? Moore says, in. Yes, we actually see the Torah does it. From the Torah does gives examples. We find Sukkim that do it. The Pasuk in, in, in Shoftim. This is a Pasuk actually discussing after the, uh, the, the civil war of, by Pelegish Begivo, it talks about how there was only a few hundred men left and they had nobody to marry and they, they, they were given instruction of how to go to where there's going to be celebrations that they can find themselves wives some at a time where the Takana was removed and they're allowed to marry into Kleistral. It says like this, it says, Vayomru, and they, were, they, 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 they told these men, that if you go to Shiloh, Mishkan Shiloh, there's a Chag Hashem, there's a celebration over there. From year to year, every year around this time, there is a celebration. Now, this Shiloh is actually to the north of Beis El, Right, where is Shiloh? So he's giving the instructions of Shiloh. So Shiloh was to the north of Beis El, all right, and Mizracha Shemesh Lemesilom, and it is to the east, as the uh, of the sun, to the east of Shiloh, of, of I'm sorry, of Mesilom, all right. It's to the path. Mesilom is the path. Ha'olam in Beis El Shchema. On a path that goes from base L to Shem. So basically, what is the directions that are being given? It says that, it, that if you want to find Shiloh, Shiloh is to the north of base L, and it's, and, and it is to the east of Shem, which means Shem is in the west. But it doesn't say it in terms of Shem, in terms of just the east of the highway or the path or this path, the strip of land that'll take you to Shem. I don't know if it curved at the end or what, why. But anyway, we're going to see that, uh, Levona, and it is to the south of Levona. Levona is further north than Shiloh. So therefore, so, so Shiloh is to the south of Levona. Now, and I'm Rapov, Rapov explains, when it said it is to the east of Shechem, it wasn't actually too much Shechem directly, but it's the east of the path that leads to Shechem. But anyway, what do you see? There's a direction given in terms of a path. To the east of the path, to the west of the path. So therefore, the fact that it, the Torah can give a direction in terms of the east of a, of a strip of land. So therefore, the Tana, to talk about this strip of land that goes from Akko to Kziv, it's not strange that he's giving direction in such a manner. Okay, that's the point that's being brought down. Clear? Mm-hmm. Tana, we learned in Abraisa. Tana Chada. So we have now, it's going to be a sugi, we're going to only stop, we're going to stop in the middle, but we have here two contradictory Brises. Tana Chada, one Brisa says, I maybe get this Svina, if somebody is on a boat, on a river in Eretzisro, and the get was written on the boat, that's the case. 
the get was written on the boat, it's as if you brought it in Eretz Yisrael itself, which means, the Chorah, that there's no difference between the river of Eretz Yisrael or the land of Eretz Yisrael. But if you're bringing a get written on a boat to another place on the land in Eretz Yisrael, it's like bringing from one place in Eretz Yisrael to another place in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore you don't need to say, right? However, that's one b'risa. Betanya idach, kamevi bechutz the second riser seems to hold that even though it's a river of Eretz but if you're in the river on the boat, you're like in Chutz it doesn't have the same status as the land. And therefore, if the, if the get was written on the boat, then you have to say it's coming from Chutz And if it's coming from Chutz then what? Then you've got to say, Fana Nechtam, Fana Nechtam. Now, Tais was asked the question over here that, that the Chorah, even if you consider it to be like Chutz didn't we say before that when you're so close, to Eretz Yisroel, it takes on the status of Eretz And you don't have to say, there's a child was on border on one side, or it's on three sides. So I, I didn't go through the whole studio as well, but I, you, I would think that you have to say that this is going like the Shita of Rabbi Lazar at this point. And Rabbi Lazar held is like a low plug. That anything from Chutzla Eretz, you have to say, even if the Svara of Lishma doesn't make sense over here, and even if the Svara of Adam and Suyim doesn't make sense, it's like a low plug that was said. So anyway, the point, it seems to be though, a very fundamental question, is the water of the rivers of Eretz Yisrael considered the same halachic status as the land? One bride seems to say yes, one some seems to say no. So I remember here, we Kasha, that it's not a difficulty, there can be, these two prices can be explained. It's actually a machlokas tanoim. They're reflecting too. Which you're going to say, this is the machlokas tanoim, whether what? Where the rivers have the same status as the land. What is machlokas? Harab Yehuda Harabon. What's going to be Rabbi Yehuda? It's not. We learned in a Mishnah. This is a Mishnah that, or a text that brings down, it should be a brysa, the Sanya. It's actually a brysa. Alright? What does it say? Uh, it says like this. Now, we know that Avar Chutzla Oritz you have over here you brought a plant and even if the plant the plant's encased at the bottom with dirt of Chutzla Oritz right the question is going to be for the halachas of uh, of Maish Trumas and Maishas and, Shmi, and Shemitah is is now on the boat it started producing fruit and the question is is that fruit or that produce does it have a status of Chutzla Oretz? Or does it have a status of... And the boat is on a river in Eretz Yisrael. So as follows. It's not. Avar Chutzla Oretz. So it's talking about that it's like even though, even though it's encased, the dirt of Chutzla Oretz, Avar Oretz, nevertheless, Chayev B'Maiser U'Bishviyas. Now, Rashi learns we're dealing with a boat that's made out of clay. Exactly how a boat made out of clay because then it allows nutrients to be sucked up. As long as the part is a perforated part, we consider the nutrients to be sucked up through the bottom of the boat into the plant, and therefore it's as if the plant is in Eretz Yisrael. Tozah's learning doesn't have to be uh, uh, clay. Anything organic would have the same impact. Wood as well. That as long as it's not a non-organic matter, so there was considered like perforated, and there was like in a perforated pot, and it's considered to be nurturing from the water 
underneath the boat, and therefore it's considered to be nurturing from Eretz Yisrael, which therefore makes the produce higher than all of Trumas and Maizes and Shviyas. Now, that's the Chachamim. So now, that would seem to be clearly the Chachamim Shita is that the water of the river has a status of Eretz Yisrael. Which we go like the Brisa that says, you don't have to stay from a get written on a boat on a river. Amr of Yehuda, Amasai, I only agree with that. If the boat, the bottom of the boat, is dragging along the ground. So if the bottom of the boat is dragging along the ground, then I agree the produce will have a status of produce of Eretz Yisroh. But if this boat is floating on the water and not being dragged on the ground. Potter, it'll be potter from Trumas and Maisis. So this seems to be clearly nice in a bow. That the machlokas between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yehuda clearly seems to be what? Do we consider the water of the river as part of Israel or not? Rabbi Yehuda clearly holds not because he says in order for the produce on the boat to be growing in Israel, what has to happen? The boat has to be touching the ground. But if it's not touching the ground, it's not considered being, and, and according to the Chachamim, even if it's not touching the ground, it's still considered to be nurturing from Eretz Yisrael because the river, the Chorah, has a status of Eretz Yisrael. So that would be the way, uh, uh, th- that's the way, who was it, Rav Yehuda, no, who was it, Rav Yirmiya, wanted to explain, and therefore comes out the Machlokas of the first two Bricers is actually Machlokas, the Chachamim, and Rav Yehuda by this case of produce growing in a boat. Abaya Amar, Abaya disagrees. He says, Abahar of Yehuda. Yo, why, why are you making a machlokus between the two brises? Let's make both brises go like of Yehuda. And you'll say like this. When is the get considered to be in Eretz Yisrael? Is, uh, Say the two brises by the Gitin cases whether it's considered to be inert or not, is actually on one brysa, the boat is, above, is floating on the water, and the second brysa is talking about the boat is touching the bottom. So therefore, with the one that says the boat is touching the bottom, that brysa taka holds that what? You don't have to say the fun and the fun and because it's considered as if that get was written in Eretz Yisrael. And the one that's on the water. But then both brises could go like Rabbi Yehuda, and you don't have to make a machlokas tanoyim between the two brises. So we have two ways of explaining, either Rabbi Yirmiya's way of explaining that's machlokas, because both are floating on the water, and is the water considered part of Israel or not, which is machlokas of Yehuda and the Chachamim, or you could say both brises are going like Rabbi Yehuda, the way Rabbi learns, and just as a difference, in one case the water is floating, the boat is floating on the water, and the other one, the bottom of the boat is touching the ground. Okay? Amar Abzeiro. Abzeiro wants to say as follows. Atzitz Nakuv, Hamunach al If you have, in Eretz Yisrael, you have a potted plant that's Nakuv, it's perforated. Alright, if it's not perforated, then it nothing, it cannot nurture through the, through the, 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 the pot. But it's perforated, but it's not directly touching the ground, it is on stilts. It is on, uh, pegs, vertical pegs. And the question right now is, do we consider the, the, the produce in the pot, is it considered to be produce of Eretz Yisrael, which is Chayv and Trumas or not? Why? Because it's not directly on the ground. There's the space, the airspace in between. Now he wants to compare the airspace to the water. 
And he wants to say that the same machlok as we had by a boat that's not directly on the ground, that has water separating the boat and the ground, will be the same machlokas where they have airspace that is separating... The upper Hutzlaretz upper, the dirt yeah. is from Hutzlaretz? No, underneath, underneath here it's, 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 it's Eretz Yisrael. But the upper of the Atzitz... Uh, and the Atzitz, I don't know if it really makes a difference. Because the bottom line is, if it's not considered nurturing from the ground, then it's not considered nurturing from the ground, right? Right, like the hydroponics or whatever it be. Alright? So anyway, but that's not the point. The point is, is it considered connected to the ground or not connected to the ground? That should be a machlokas between the Rabbi Yehuda and the Chacham. Let's see inside. Amar Rav Zeiro, Atzitz Nakuv. What? It's only with less than three Tvachim. It's going to be ten, 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 ten Amas I. Yes. It's like this. So now Amar Rav says, Barna machlokas, Rabbi Yehuda v'Rabbonah. So Amar Rav, Rav says, I disagree. Why does this have to be a difference. Now he's going to say, there is a clear difference between the two. One is that it's resting on the water, which is on the ground. And your case, you want to make it where it's resting, there's airspace in between. And we're going to see that you can make the argument both in the sheet of Rabbi Yehuda and in Rachamim that there should be a distinction. Let's see how. So Moses is like this. Samar of Adil Malohi. Ad kan Yehuda hosam means when does Rabbi Yehuda say that a boat is not considered to be resting on the ground that we consider it to be part of Eretz Yisrael is because a boat, the definition of a boat is it's in perpetual motion. So something in perpetual motion so therefore that which separates from the ground is a real separation and over there he considers the get written like it's in Chutzlah Aretz because it's continuously in movement. But whereas a potted plant, even though there's a separation, but it's in a permanent status. So then that separation will not be viewed as a separation and there it is considered to be like it's on the ground. So even though Yehuda says that the case of the boat where the water separates, it's a separation from the ground, unless it's mamish touching the ground, that's because it's in perpetual motion. That's why it has to actually touch the ground to be considered part of the ground. But in the case of this potted plant, even though it's not actually touching the ground, maybe it's still considered to be part of the ground. Why? Because it's permanent, it's in a stable situation, not moving. Which is not meant to be in perpetual motion, literally to run away. That is in the Yehuda Shita, you don't necessarily can make the machlokus that Rabbi Yehuda would hold that the case of the Otsits is not Eretzisro because not on the ground. He might hold it is, right? Even though by the case of the Bodhi holds it's not. Inami, or even in the Chachamim, Atan Lokamri Rabbonon, the Rabbonon say their position, Hosam, El in the case of the boat. Because in the case of the boat, what are they considered? Eretz Yisrael. Ah, it's not on the ground, but there is substance. There is the water, which you can look at the water as an extension of the ground, so therefore you could say the boat is on the ground, even though it's on the water, because they consider the water to be extension of the ground. Maybe by air, they will not consider air to be an extension of the ground. So even though the Chachamim, by the case of the boat, consider that air to stroll, in the case of the pot, which is above the ground and there's air, maybe that would not be considered air to stroll, even in the Shita of the Chachamim. So therefore, like this, the Lord Mavsi Kabira, because there's no airspace separating the bottom of the boat to the ground. Right? The Mayaki Arasamech Dami, because maybe they look at the water as, as, as like literally liquid land. 
It's like a liquid land, extension of the land. But in the case of the potted plant, the mavzik avira, where there you mamash have a break, an airspace between the bottom of the pond and the ground, loy, they would not consider that as part of the ground, and what's growing in the pot would not be considered like growing in Eretz Yisrael. So, but Rav is based on the spelling with Sparos in the Sheet of Yudah and his Sheet of Yudah that you can't compare the two scenarios. You almost stop over here. Okay, but we heard that are surrounded by the 